This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, Buckeye fans, and welcome to another episode of the Buck Nuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy from Buck Nuts and 24-7 Sports here. We're going to hit on a bunch of different topics today. Um, I am uh, drinking some eggnog. I decided to get in the holiday spirit as we head into that season. So uh, we had some of this in the fridge. I decided to pour a glass of that for the happy hour today. So uh, cheers to that. And happy uh, holidays, whatever you celebrate, to everybody. Um, today we're going to talk some transfer portal, some recruiting. We're going to have Bill Curlick on from from Bucknuts to talk with us about that, and then uh, I'll get into some of my thoughts. We didn't have a show last week, so a lot to kind of touch on in terms of the team and what they're up to, what's going on over there at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, especially after we had some interviews with some of the players on Tuesday. But let's get into it and bring in Bill Curlick. Hey, Bill, what's going on? Well, it's transfer portal time, uh, less than a week away from National Signing Day. So basically, I don't have anything to do right now. Uh, I, uh, uh, recruiting is uh, going on feverishly, I guess you'd say. And, there, and the coaches, Ohio State and all the other college coaches are out on the road recruiting. So lots going on. Actually, uh, Ohio State just offered another player a scholarship today. Uh tight end from uh, the same high school as uh, uh, Aaron Nolan is from, Langston Hughes High School in Fairborn, Georgia. And so they're, they're working hard. They're, uh, the, the player they offered to scholarship to today is a 2026 player. So they're looking ahead as well as trying to finish up their 2024 class and getting to work, doing plenty of work still on 2025. It's good work there. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about how this used to be like the slower period for at least team stuff in between the bowl game and of the regular season. You covered some basketball. You got ready for early signing day. Now it just goes. It's it's just nonstop. I feel like we're always covering something. But let's talk transfer portal, Bill. Um, so far. This offseason, if we can call it, I guess it's not even really the offseason, the in-between the regular season and bowl season, um, Ohio State has had 15 guys enter the transfer portal, which is more than they had last year, but probably not more than you expected. Uh, one of those includes Will Hartson, who is a walk -on, preferred walk-on running back. Um, of those guys who have entered the portal thus far, is there anyone who really surprised you that, that they were looking to leave the program? Well, I think the the obvious answer and the uh, honest answer is Kyle McCord. 
Um, yeah, did right. not see that one happening. Um, you know, I, obviously uh, that was precipitated by the fact that uh, Kyle wasn't being, you know, necessarily guaranteed a starting spot. And, you know, to be honest, that's kind of the way it should be. Um, you know, you compete every day for your position. Um, Pete Carroll had uh, what he called when he was at USC, his competition Tuesdays. Every Tuesday was a competition to see who was going to start the following Saturday. And, you know, the, the world of college football uh, in this day and age and the competitiveness, you know, you, you need to really compete every day for your position. And uh, that's kind of what uh, uh, the situation was that uh, Kyle McCord was going to, to, to need to compete. Not to say he wouldn't necessarily uh, win the job again, but he was going to need to compete for his spot in the bowl game. And um, that, that one certainly surprised me. Yeah. I guess I probably should have said other than Kyle McCord. Cause that, as you pointed out, was the most obvious um, to me, Chip Tranum was, was a surprising one. I thought for sure he'd be back next year, given kind of the way he talked, especially after that Notre Dame game with the touchdown, um, how he, you know, do anything for this program an Ohio kid who had, transferred already once back from Arizona state. And obviously he wasn't in uh, the role he probably would have liked as a starting running back, but this is a guy who came to Ohio state to play linebacker. So he seemed to uh, seem to be pretty content to me early on. And then uh, obviously he felt there was a better opportunity. Now he's headed to Kentucky um, and we'll see how, how it goes from there. Most people are, are well aware. And by the way, if you're watching this live, you have any questions, whether it be recruiting, transfer portal, uh, the team, throw them in the uh, chat here, and we'll try and get to some of those as we go along. But, uh, Bill, what would yeah. you say? I want to real quick, Pat, uh, yeah. you, you mentioned Chip Trainham. I have to say that uh, one of my favorite guys through the recruiting process, when he was in high school uh, and even when he got in the portal, just a really, really nice young man, uh, not really great kid in high school and was always more than cooperative with everything. Um, you know, he, he didn't go to Ohio State in large part out of high school because Ohio State um, liked him more as a linebacker. Yeah. And he wanted to play running back in Arizona State. You know, they wanted they wanted him as a running back and he ended up going there. And it's really ironic that um, – you know, he, he gets re-recruited by Ohio State again as a linebacker. And this time he says yes, but then he gets here to Ohio State, and that didn't work out. He, he was needed at running back, and he, he, he definitely made an impact on, on Ohio State and the, and the team this season at running back. And, you know, I, I'm sorry to see him go And that, again, he's one of the fav- my favorite guys that I've really uh, – had the pleasure of, of, of talking to often during the recruiting process. And, and uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to do well at Kentucky. And uh, I, you know, I just wish him all the best there because really a, a quality young man. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the time we had with him while he was in the program, these last couple seasons, nothing but great, uh, great interactions. And I do think he made an impact. You know, he did play some linebacker but got to start a few games last year at running back. 
got to play a good amount as kind of the number two running back behind Travion Henderson this year. So certainly got his chance to play for his hometown team on both sides of the ball, uh, which is kind of uh, interesting given his recruitment. But as we look at Ohio State right now, as, as the roster is kind of constructed, you look at what they've been doing in terms of reaching out to transfer portal guys. Where would you say they are probably looking the most um, from the the transfer portal? What position group is is maybe the most interesting for Ohio State right now? Well, I'd start out a little bit broader than that and say okay. defense. Sure. Um, that's their main place that they're looking right now. For instance, uh, last weekend uh, they hosted Derek Harmon, Michigan State's starting defensive tackle, on an official visit. Um, and that visit, by the way, went very well. Uh, he is going to continue to take visits. Um, in fact, I was told last night that he will go ahead and visit Oregon this coming weekend. And he's already been to Auburn, already been out Ohio State. Um, but uh, certainly he's a guy to keep in mind for Ohio State. He had a he had a really good visit with the Buckeyes this past weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, you look at who they're bringing in right now, as things stand right now, um, they're bringing in a, a linebacker, uh, Caleb Elarms, or he is from Cal and he is a tackling machine. He visited TCU last weekend. We'll make an official visit to Ohio State this weekend. They also are bringing in a safety, uh, Kamari Ramsey from UCLA. Um, he was UCLA's top defensive back last season, and he has, by the way, three years of eligibility left. So that's a lot of time to, to, to still have. Uh, he will make an official visit to Ohio State this weekend. And then Trey Moore, a defensive end edge guy from uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. He's visiting, unless it gets changed, he's visiting Ohio State this weekend. And well, well I say less, unless it gets changed because he had a visit to Texas last weekend and they're definitely the favorite to land him, but he didn't commit. And as of now, he is scheduled to visit Ohio State this weekend. So right now, plenty of focus on defense. Uh, somebody that's not um, necessarily scheduled yet to visit Ohio State is LT Overton. He's a, a defensive end out of Texas A&M. He was at Texas A&M this past season. He's another guy that uh, to keep in mind. And if you want to switch to the offensive side of the ball, certainly uh, Chase Bishantis, an offensive tackle at Texas A&M, he is a guy that Ohio State is definitely interested in through the transfer portal. Yeah, we had uh, a question from uh, Todd. I'm going to butcher this last name. Mikkel Murray um, about O-line transfers. Obviously, that was a big discussion a year ago. The Buckeyes ended up with two, Victor Cutler, who has subsequently entered the transfer portal so far this year, and Josh Simmons, who started at left tackle all season for the Buckeyes. Um, what are they looking for in on the offensive line there? What What, what is uh, what is the area they're focusing on? We know they're going to lose Matthew Jones, could lose Donovan Jackson as well. He said he's going to play in the bowl game, but hasn't decided on his future. Where are the Buckeyes looking at in terms of positions on the offensive line? Well, I think that the, everybody feels like uh, offensive tackle is where the help is needed. Um, they could always kick somebody inside, so to speak. Um, not out of the question that maybe a Josh Fryer uh, could move it into guard. There is an open guard spot right now. Depending on what Donovan Jackson does, there could be two open guard spots. But there's at least one for sure, Matt Jones's position. So, you know, 
I think they're going to go for the best offensive lineman they can find. If it's a tackle, even the better, but the best offensive lineman they can find. And then get the next season, get the best five guys on the field. Um, Chase Bashantis is a uh, offensive tackle, um, but some people feel he would be better at guard. Um, so he's maybe someone that could move inside to guard uh, or perhaps stay at tackle. But I think um, I think mainly the you think tackle, but you think – you know, somebody that could play guard, or if need be, they could move somebody on the current roster inside the guard. I think it's interesting that you said that, you know, that they're going to take the best guy available. I think a couple of years ago, Ohio State probably doesn't do that because they're worried about not bringing or bringing a guy in that would supplant somebody already on the roster. And I think this is an example. And we saw some of it uh, that, that this past year, you know, a guy like Davis and Igbenosin coming in and, and quickly becoming a starter over some of the younger guys on the roster. Um, I think the Buggies have realized this is kind of the, the way of the world in terms of college football. And uh, they now have to play this game, right? You can't just recruit high school kids anymore. We've seen it with some other programs, mm-hmm. Clemson being the main one. Uh, you've got to play this game. And it seems like, and tell me if you think I'm wrong here, Bill, that Ohio State is is more willing to go get a guy who maybe will play over somebody on the roster than they were a couple of years ago. Is do, do you feel like that as as well? Well, I think, like you said, they know they have to be um, somebody, uh, someone that's active in this game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Michigan, for instance. You know, you, you, their roster had this season a lot of four and fifth-year guys playing for them. Some six. Yeah, Ohio State, when they go recruit, they've recruited better than Michigan the last few years. There's no question about that. Um, But when you recruit the high-level kids, some of them end up being three-and-done guys. They're they're here for three years at Ohio State, and then they're off to the NFL. Uh, Michigan hasn't had as many of those you know, elite players pick Michigan and then do the three and done thing as Ohio State does. So a lot of their guys were fourth and fifth year guys this year. And and that's, you know, it it may come back to haunt them a little bit for next season when when a lot of guys leave. But at least for last season and this season, it's really helped their program having all those guys stick around that weren't necessarily as highly recruited and – weren't guys that were going to go to the NFL after three years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just different ways of doing things, right. In terms of how you, how you build out your roster. Um, We had a question here. I wanted to get to, you mentioned um, the Cal linebacker, uh, Bobby McCormick asked, is is he a little undersized? Well, he's six, two and two thirty. So, you know, I, I wouldn't call that undersized. Maybe it's not, you know, six three and uh, two hundred forty five pounds, but it's six two two thirty. To me, that that's that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, if you were to guess, based on what you know, how many guys do you think Ohio State signs once we're once we're all said and done um, from the the transfer portal? Last year, I think they ended up with nine guys total, and that included um, the the linebacker from Northwestern late right before fall camp started. What would you guess the number is when, when we head into next season in terms of transfer portal additions? 
Well, a lot is going to depend on who stays at Ohio State this year. Sure. Um, you know, they they the defensive line is a good spot to start with there. You know, the four guys that started this year, the most or at least, uh, you got JT Tuimolo out and you got Jack Sawyer. We don't know what they're going to do next season yet. Um, I think they'll I think they'll get their paperwork and make their decisions, but we don't know right now. Uh, Tyleek Williams is another one. And if you would ask me before the season started, I would have told you that uh, Mike Hall might be as likely as anybody to yeah. go to the NFL draft. Um, so, you know, what do those four guys do? That's going to impact it a lot. If all four were to stay or if all four were to go, <laughs> that makes a huge difference. You know, I, I, I think if I had to predict right now, I would, I would say that uh, probably at least two, if not three, or maybe even all four are going to come back to Ohio State next season. So if uh, that's going to impact what they do in the transfer portal, certainly. Um, and that goes throughout the roster. You know, who, who else leaves that, uh, that they kind of have to replace with a more immediate impact? Does Jordan Hancock leave, for instance? Um, uh, does Lathan Ransom leave? You know, if, if those guys leave, that impacts the secondary. Uh, so I think that, you know, we have to wait and see how that all shakes out. But if you ask me right now, I think that uh, they're going to most likely add at least five guys through the portal, maybe uh, up to 10, but at least five guys I would think will, will end up at Ohio State through the portal. Yeah, that seems to me to be like the the safe number to go with here um, as we transition, continue to transition into this transfer portal era. Um, I don't think Ohio State's ever going to be a Colorado, uh, you know, a, a USC even where they're taking multiple double digit numbers of guys. Uh, but I do well, think Michigan Ryan State is, from a year and a half, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. Um, you don't have to rebuild the program like that because of how well they recruit, but you do, you do be, you are able to get some guys with experience, which I think is a positive. Um, let's move over to the, the high school recruiting side of things, because we are about to hit the early signing period. Who are some names that Buckeye fans need to keep an eye on, um, in terms of guys that Ohio state are still trying to lock down as we, we head into this next week. Well, the the I guess my two biggest ones would be Coy Parrish and Amaris Williams, and not necessarily in any order. You can put one over the other if you want. But Coy Parrish is a safety out of Minnesota. He's committed to Minnesota. Um, he made an official visit to Ohio State last weekend. Canceled his official visit to Florida State, which was going to be this weekend. And he's going to decide between Ohio State and staying with Minnesota. Now you might say, well. That's kind of a no-brainer. Where would you rather be? And so, but it really, in his case, it's not necessarily a no-brainer. He's a kid from Minnesota, and he has an older brother that was a freshman this season at Mankato State, which is not too far away. Um, so, for him, it's I think it's going to be somewhat of a difficult decision of which way he goes. Um, uh, but both programs definitely would like to add him to their rosters. So that's one. Amaris Williams is the defensive end edge out of North Carolina. He's still committed to Florida. And I really liked the Buckeyes' chances of flipping him. 
fact, I crystal balled him to Ohio State, uh, flipping him from Florida. Now, uh, Auburn has gotten involved and Georgia has gotten involved somewhat too. So that makes it a little dicier for Ohio State when you're now uh, not only trying to flip him, but trying to keep him from going to, say, Auburn, for instance. But uh, he's another one that certainly is, is really big as far as the radar screen. Now, the third one that I'd put in there right now would be Carlin Jones, a defensive lineman out of Texas. He made an official visit to Ohio State last weekend, uh, went very well. But he, at least for this coming weekend, is going to continue to take visits before he makes a decision. Um, they have been trying to flip Notre Dame linebacker commitment Kingston uh, via Ahu Asa from Notre Dame to Ohio State. But I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't completely rule it out. But when you look at high State's bringing in a transfer portal linebacker this weekend as an example. So uh, I would be surprised at this point if they can flip Kingston, but he is certainly uh, another guy they have certainly been working hard on. And there has been a communication, two-way communication between Ohio State and Kingston. You mentioned flipping. I saw a couple people ask about this. I was going to ask you anyway. Um, I know you and I have talked about this separately. Uh, Lyle, the running back, uh, Jordan Lyle, there's been talk for a while that he may flip to Miami. I know he's got a visit set to go to Miami before, I think it was this this week, this weekend. Um, what is kind of the latest on his situation and where he stands with the Buckeyes? Well, um, all season long, he has pretty stayed pretty pretty solidly committed to Ohio State, even though there have been a lot of rumors about Miami and and even one or two other schools. Uh, but the things have intensified in the last, uh, say, two weeks. Now, you know, I, I think uh, I would, I don't know if I would go and say I'd be totally surprised if he stayed at Ohio State. But I think uh, at this point, I think um, it's going to be tough to keep him from flipping to Miami. He is visiting there, an official visit this weekend. They get the last shot. Um, I just think that one's going to be a hard one, a really hard one for Ohio State to keep in the class. And that's interesting because you've already got, as we mentioned before, Chip Tranum has transferred, Evan Pryor transferring to Cincinnati. We're waiting on the decision from Travion Henderson, who put out a tweet earlier today, making it clear that he's not made any decision yet, despite some rumors. Uh, and then you've got Dallin Hayden as the only other scholarship running back uh, because Mayan Williams is going pro. So you will have James Peoples. You have Sam Williams Dixon in this class. We talked about maybe needing to, to readjust our transfer portal expectations. You do wonder if maybe they go find another running back if, if you don't bring in three um, coming off of, of – if, if that flip happens, I guess I should say, just for numbers purposes, if nothing else. Uh, but, again, we're, we're waiting on decisions from, from Travion Henderson, which would obviously be a big boost for the Buckeyes if he returned. Um, as you look at this class as it's currently constructed, what is there to really like from your perspective – for the Buckeyes and maybe where is a position or two where uh, they haven't hit on guys or are still working on some guys? Well, um, as far as liking, it's kind of the same old, same old wide receiver. They got two five stars there. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah Smith, who I think, and I've said this all along that I, I think he's, despite all the season long rumors and despite the fact that he's taken visits all season uh, to Ohio state and other schools, 
Um, I felt all along that Jeremiah Smith is taking those visits just as a safety net, so to speak, for the most part, that if Ryan Day or Brian Hartline were not at Ohio State, then he would have done his homework, his research, and, and be ready, so to speak, to go somewhere else if need be. But as long as Brian Hartline and Ryan Day at Ohio State, I have continued and still continue to feel he's going to end up a Buckeye. Um, and then you've got Mylon Graham, wide, five-star wide receiver out of Indiana. And then you've got Jeremiah McClellan. He is, quote, only a four-star, but he's, he's a high four-star and he's really good. Um, wouldn't be surprising to me if he turned out to be a great wide receiver at Ohio State. I think uh, he's just a great football player. So you've got three wide receivers that you could, I think, argue that all three are five-star guys. Uh, getting Edric Houston out of uh, Buford, Georgia, that was huge. He's a five-star mm -hmm. defensive end, and they have a needed defensive end. That was huge for Ohio State. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the secondary. You've got the two corners that I absolutely love from Ohio, Aaron Scott and Bryce West. I think they can be impact corners. And then the kid doesn't get as much publicity as Miles Lockhart out of Arizona. He's really, he's a really good one too. So uh, those are kind of the the high points of the class, so to speak. Um, as far as I think you mentioned where maybe they could have used some help on the offensive line. Now, having said that, I think Ian Moore is going to be a really, really good offensive tackle for the Buckeyes. I think he's got a chance to, to be a starter uh, and a very – very good starter. And I really love the potential of the other three guys they got. Deontay Armstrong, uh, I think he has a chance to be a very good tackle for Ohio State. His brother, Devontae Armstrong, a guard. And then Gabe Van Sickles a, was a late addition, but he has a chance to be a good one. So uh, you would have liked to have seen them get one more uh, really high-level offensive lineman, a tackle, um, if you had your brothers. And of course, Jordan Seaton was one guy they really wanted, but still, you know that that that's a position that's okay. But they they really had hoped to do a little better there. I want to take listeners behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, when that Jordan Seaton commit commitment happened, you and I were texting, calling each other <laughs> for that because we we were both so shocked that he was ending up at Colorado. Uh, I believe the text you said to me was is this for real? Uh, and you're not, you and I aren't the only ones. This caught a lot of people off guard, the timing of it. We knew it was going to be that day, but announcing on Fox, uh, you know, sometimes these kids make decisions that uh, even a recruiting expert who's been doing it as long as Bill uh, is not prepared for. Uh, and, you know, not that you weren't prepared for it, but just like weren't, didn't, didn't see it coming. Uh, I thought that one was kind of a, a crazy one that people might find funny. Um, one guy yeah, you didn't there was no crystal ball or no uh yeah. prediction you could go to any network you wanted to go to and nobody had him going to Colorado no definitely not um one guy you didn't mention that I think is pretty relevant to talk about given the Kyle McCord transfer is Air Nolan um Ryan Day has not started a true freshman quarterback and I'm going to get into quarterbacks more once you're out of here Bill but what what is there to like about 
left-handed quarterback, Aaron Nolan, high four-star guy. What should fans who who haven't seen him play maybe uh, need to know about him? Well, when you talk about quarterbacks, they to me, being a winner is at the, one of the top things possible. He's a winner. Uh, last year as a junior, I believe, uh, in fact, I know, he led his team to an undefeated state championship. They were uh, 15 or 16 and 0. Uh, this year, he didn't quite have the surrounding cast that he did last year, but they still, they were good. Uh, I think they were finished nine and three or something like that. So he's a winner first and foremost. Um, uh, good pocket presence. He is not a uh, Braxton Miller type guy for sure. Not uh, He's not going to rush for a thousand yards at Ohio State at any point in his career, but he can run if needed. I mean, he can escape the rush. He's mobile enough. Um, he is, as you said, Pat, left-handed, um, which generally, you know, you think of that as maybe not the best thing because the ball spins a little differently coming out of a left-hander's hand, and that's a little different for the receivers catching the ball. But still, um, there have been a lot of great quarterbacks that are left-handed. So he, he uh, certainly can can get it done, I think, at Ohio State. Um, and I think he, he's a very poised young man, which is very important. So there, there's a lot to like about Air. And, and another thing is that he, he just wanted to be a Buckeye. Even through the recruiting process, he wasn't offered a scholarship by Ohio State. And I was talking to him and he, he said more than once, I really want that offer. I really want that offer. And that's the kind of kids you want, the kids that want to – be a part of your program. We've had a couple people I saw in the comments uh, bring up Dylan Rayola, who was obviously committed to Ohio State at one point in time, flipped his commitment to Georgia. Now there's speculation he may flip his commitment again to Nebraska. Uh, Bill, I know you're not following that as closely, but what, what was your reaction when you did see some of that coming through? Our Steve Wiltfong and, and others putting out that, that Rayola at least is going to take a visit to Nebraska. How did you, uh, what was your initial reaction when you saw that? Well, that one didn't surprise me too much, to be honest, because uh, uh, I, I knew that Nebraska has continued to recruit him. Um, I didn't necessarily think he was going to end up there and flip from Georgia, but I, I thought they were going to stay in it. You know, he's got an uncle that is the offensive line coach there. Um, so, so obviously, with that connection and continuing to recruit him, I thought that was a possibility. And and he is, as you mentioned, Pat, going to visit there. And it's kind of funny. We um, we were eyes on the podcast, our, our Tuesday morning podcast um, with Mark Porter and Dan Rubin. And as we were talking on the podcast, it came through that uh, a contract extension had just been given to his uncle as the offensive line coach of Nebraska. So you know, that doesn't uh, hurt your efforts at all. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Certainly one for, for Buckeye fans to kind of pay attention to off in the distance. They've got the quarterback coming to Ohio State, so they can they can watch that one with interest if they choose. Well, Bill, I've kept you on here longer than I expected to, so I know it's busy. I appreciate your time, and uh, thanks. I think there was a lot of really good insight in there for, for the listeners, so I appreciate it. I appreciate that, Pat. You do a great job, as always, and um, we've only got uh, six and a half more days till signing day now. Yep, yep. It's coming fast. It's coming fast. All right, Bill, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. All right, bye. Again, that was Bill Kerlick from Bucknuts 24-7, my colleague there. Um, you know, if you have 
followed recruiting, Ohio State recruiting specifically over the last, I don't know, 15, 20, 25, however many years. I want to don't want to date Bill too bad, but uh, you are probably at least aware of Bill Curlick. And I assume if you're watching our podcast, you're very aware of Bill Curlick because he and Mark Porter, as he mentioned, do a show at least once a week, if not twice a week. So Bill's one of the best in the business. I appreciate him coming on and, and giving us some insight into kind of the, the transfer portal slash recruiting stuff. Um, now I want to dive into some of the team stuff um, that's been happening over the last couple weeks. We didn't have a show last week while uh, we had stuff going on, but um, so, so I want to kind of go back. Um, we also had availability with some players on Tuesday, which was enlightening. In fact, let's just start there because, and I'm sure you've heard by now as you listen to this, that a number of players have decided to at least play in the bowl game, um, if not more. They were all still undecided at that point on in terms of their future. Um, but in the bowl game, you will see Emeka Buka, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Donovan Jackson, Tyleek Williams and Jack Sawyer, which I think is a huge boost for Ohio State going into that game. Um, it not only shows the importance that the Buckeyes are placing on it, but the fact that these guys, at the very least, want to play one more game uh, with with their brothers, with this team, and then they will decide, make their announcements on, on whatever's going to happen in the future. Um I think you can read into this very positively. I think I wrote about this yesterday. I think that the fact that these guys are talking about unfinished business, I won't say that I think all of them are going to come back, but I think I would not be surprised. And this is just speculation on my part. If this leads to a group of Buckeyes coming back now, a group of Buckeye juniors coming back. Uh, now, we did not hear from JT Tuomalau. We did not hear from Travion Henderson. And if you missed it earlier, I mentioned Travion Henderson put out a tweet earlier today. And we're recording this on Wednesday. He has not made a decision. Um, and th that comes after kind of rumors given Chip Tranum's uh, transfer and Evan Pryor's decision to transfer that uh, Travion may have decided and told his teammates he was coming back for his senior year. This is from the horse's mouth. This isn't reporting from somebody else. He says he's not made a decision yet. So we still await word from Travion Henderson. But I think back to the 2020 Michigan team, which obviously had a really bad season, COVID year. Um, but a bunch of those guys that could have gone off to the NFL decided to come back and focus on wanting to beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten championship. And as I was sitting in these interviews on Tuesday, listening to Denzel Burke, Emeka Buka, uh, Jack Sawyer, the rest of these guys talk about how, you know, never having won a Big Ten title or beaten Michigan in their careers uh, is certainly something that's at least going to play a factor in their decisions. I think you could see something similar with the Buckeyes this offseason. Now, I'm not saying all of them are going to come back. I noticed I did not include Marvin Harrison Jr. in that group because I think he's kind of a separate entity when it comes to, to making his decision, given where he's likely to land in the NFL draft. To me, I know he talked before the weekend about he hadn't made up his mind yet and he still wants to beat Michigan and things like that. 
there's not enough NIL money in the sport right now, especially given where he could be drafted for it to make sense to predict that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to return to college football next year. Could he do it? Yes, but it would be one of the upsets of the century when we're talking about guys staying or going. Um, so I will, until Marvin Harrison, and I said similar things with CJ Stroud last year, until he announces he's coming back to Ohio State, I'm going to believe that Marvin has played uh, played his Ohio State career. Maybe he plays in the Cotton Bowl. I would still be surprised by that. So I don't group him in with the rest of these guys. But I think all of the rest of those guys that that Emeka Ibuka, um, you know, Donovan Jackson, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Tyleek Williams, Jack Sawyer, and, and there's other ones. I think you could group Travion Henderson in there, even though he didn't talk. Um, potentially JT to him allowed. But those are guys that I think still not only feel like they have more that the team can accomplish, but could probably help themselves with another year of college football. And JT Tumalau may be on the like fringes of that. I think, you know, the way he was as a, a recruit, had they been able to, NFL teams might have been interested at that point in time. So I don't know if maybe he can help his draft stock a huge amount by coming back. But look, Amekig Buka, a guy who's supremely talented, and I'm just using him as an example, he's the number one receiver in his recruiting class. He has had a good career at Ohio State, especially last season. Um, but and just on talent alone, I think he could probably be, uh, you know, day two draft pick. But if he comes back and is, say, the Buckeyes' top receiver next year, well, now you're talking about maybe first round draft pick, maybe high first round draft pick. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll get the buzz that Marvin Harrison Jr. has gotten this year and Bolitnikoff and all that, but I certainly think he could help himself. And, you know, another guy, Denzel Burke, he had a really good season this year, but has really only put together the two good seasons as he was injured a lot last year and, you know, struggled to kind of get through that. And he's talked about this mentally. So I think there are, in addition to wanting to beat Michigan and win a big, big 10 title, which I do think is real for these guys because they all expected to come in and do this every year and have not achieved any of those goals yet. I also think on, you know, in terms of individual helping themselves, I think there's an opportunity there. Again, um, I've learned to generally lean towards the side of guys who can go pro probably will, but NIL has changed things. And, you know, like I said, that, that there is the motivation, motivating factor of one more season to kind of cement your legacy by beating Michigan, winning a big 10, you know, and potentially a national championship. I mean, you look at what, uh, what it's going to look like next year with the 12 team playoff. I mean, Ohio state is pretty much in the field before the season even starts, unless something catastrophic happens. I think only twice since 2004, I think the 2004 season, the 2011 season are the only times Ohio state hasn't been ranked in the top 12 at the end of the year. So, I mean, you can almost lock Ohio State in. So, you know, you're going to compete for a national championship next year. Michigan's losing a ton. They have to come to Columbus. Not that that mattered two years ago. But if you have this veteran team with a bunch of guys returning, motivated, schedule's not supremely difficult. I think there's a, there's a path there for the Buckeyes. Um, if if a, a group of these guys decide we're going to go come back and we're going to go get it done. Um, the other big news since the last time we talked, and I know this has been discussed a lot in the last 
week plus is, is the transferring of Kyle McCord. Um, I don't want to get into too much about Kyle because I think we're beating a dead horse with that. He's gone. Um, I think Kyle McCord, as I've said on this show and others throughout the season is a, is a very good quarterback who was just a first year starter playing after three straight first year starters that were just elite players at Ohio state. And I do think Kyle with the right coaching um, can, and if he puts, puts in the effort this off season can turn into, to a really good quarterback, a guy who, who will be looked at by the NFL. He felt the need to go on and do that someplace else. Understand that's the world we live in, but let's look at the Buckeyes situation here. And I wrote about this earlier this week because I think the immediate reaction was, Ohio State loses Kyle McCord to the transfer portal. Oh, no, now they have to go and get somebody from the transfer portal. And all these names started coming up. And I'm sure if you've been following it, you know who they were. Uh, some of them, I think, had more legitimacy. I know some of them had more legitimacy than others. Uh, agents get involved. Family members get involved. This, that, and the other thing. But I think if you look at it, the the quarterback room at Ohio State wasn't in a place of, of desperation when they lost Kyle McCord. You know, Devin Brown is a guy who pushed Kyle into the season this past year, right? And frankly, you know, had things gone a little differently, probably wins that job. Um, and this isn't to take anything away from Kyle. He ended up winning the job and, and rightfully so. But Devin Brown is a guy that Ohio State likes a lot and believes that he can do some different things. The 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 dual dual threat ability that he possesses and he's not a you know he's not a huge rusher but he's much more so than than Kyle or CJ Stroud was um and you know not that Ohio State has used a ton of that even when Justin Fields was here but they did there's a narrative out there that Ryan Day doesn't want quarterbacks to run he doesn't want quarterbacks to get hurt and run unnecessarily and most of the time Ohio State doesn't need a quarterback to to do that in you know, 90% of the games, but you saw CJ Stroud when he needed to, you saw Justin Fields when he needed to, um, you know, go all the way back to JT Barrett under Ryan day when, when Ryan day was the offensive coordinator. I mean, even Dwayne Haskins ran a little bit, so it's not like he is forbidding quarterbacks to run. So Devin Brown brings that element to it and he continues to develop as a passer. Uh, excuse me, Lincoln Keenholtz. Um, the freshman came in, they were pretty high on Lincoln as a recruit anyway, but once he got on campus, once he started to, to get settled and show what he can do, they believe, and, and this is, this is kind of how I wrote it. They believe they've, they've really unearthed something here. You know, he was still a four-star quarterback, uh, but he was outside the top 10 in terms of the quarterback prospects in the 2023 class, which most of their guys have been top five, six ish. Um, recruits, but they believe they went into uh, the or they they went they went and found a guy who who maybe was a little undervalued just because of where he he played in Pierre, South Dakota. Uh, you know the football there isn't the South or Ohio or Texas or California, but they believe they found a talented kid. Ohio State fans got to see a little bit of him this season when he played in the two games. Did frustrate Ryan Day once taking a shot uh, to the end zone that was almost intercepted. But this is a guy that, that they like. And I think these next few weeks, next couple weeks, I guess now, before the Cotton Bowl are going to be huge for both of those guys. Um, and then as Bill and I were discussing earlier, you've got Aaron Nolan coming in. And 
I don't think that Ryan Day wants to turn the program over to a freshman quarterback at this point, just because you, you, you don't need to, you want to give these guys time to kind of settle into college and get used to the speed of the game and, and things like that. But I also don't think Ryan day is, is going to avoid playing the best guy. If Aaron Nolan can show, he can do that. And they like him a lot. So you've got three guys there that you're pretty happy about. Now, Ryan day has said multiple times that he wants a quarterback room that has four scholarship quarterbacks so obviously you may go to the transfer portal and bring in another guy. Ohio State's done that in the past. Guys that you don't necessarily expect to start or, or even really play. Um, but you had Tristan Jebbia last year. You've had some other guys that good locker room guys. Leader, leadership was a big thing for them. Um, they can help other guys in, the, in that room. But my view is it was never that Ohio State needed to go out and get a transfer portal quarterback. Now, if they looked at Devin and looked at Lincoln and said, ah, we're just not sure that either of those guys are ready to be a starter. I think there probably would be a little bit more urgency. And, you know, some of the guys that they were legitimately interested in, maybe they push a little bit harder to get. I think now you've got you're in a spot where you have these bowl practices to get Devin ready. Um, Devin Brown mentioned, you know, he hadn't been told he's going to be the starter, but he expects to be the starter in the cotton bowl. This is a great opportunity for him. I think you probably want to get Lincoln into the game a little bit too to get him some more experience and kind of see how he handles that situation against an SEC defense in Missouri. And then you come out of the bowl game. There's still a few days before the end of the transfer portal window, and, and guys can enter anytime. Remember that. And they can also commit after the window closes if they're already in the portal. So you have time to kind of evaluate and then make a decision. And then you're going to have spring practice where you can continue that evaluation. You add Aaron Nolan to the mix. And there's a window again after spring practice where guys can enter the portal. I think it's May 1st to May 15th or something along those lines. So more guys, quarterbacks who you know lose out or guys, maybe they stay in a program, even though a guy transfers in and realize, okay, this isn't going to work out for me. Guys will enter the portal. Then you have an opportunity then to go add a guy if you want to. I just think there was such a rush to react to Kyle leaving and you know, not necessarily trusting that 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 one of these three guys can do the job. And I don't think that was the case over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. I, I, I think they believe that they still have two guys already in the program that one day are going to start at Ohio State. And, and Devin Brown, I mean, this is going to be his junior year, right? It's either time to do it or not. For, for a guy like that. So the rush to the rush to the transfer portal for quarterbacks, I think was a little much. Um, that doesn't mean that the Buckeyes won't use the transfer portal and they have not landed a prospect yet. We sit here on December 13th. Um, obviously they are out recruiting the high school prospects with the early signing period uh, coming next week. So you know, you're trying to balance everything. Um, Pulling up here, I want to see when the Buckeyes landed there. So they did, at this point a year ago, they had two players from the transfer portal already committed. And that was long snapper John Froman, who committed on, or enrolled, excuse me, on December 5th, and Jihad Carter, who enrolled on December 8th. Um, and then the next guys, Tristan Jebbia, came in January so on and so forth. So 
I don't think there's a huge rush to get guys in right now. Um, they are certainly doing their due diligence, as Bill talked about earlier. The there are there are visits happening. Um, those visits are very different from when you are a high school recruit. It's much more, and I've talked to guys about this in, in different sports. You're not getting the tour of the facilities as much. You're not getting, you know, shown around campus. These guys, most of them are here. They've, they've already done all that in high school, right? They want to hear about what the school can do for them. It's a lot more talking to coaches and things like that than it is like trying to show, you know, what you've got over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. So these visits happen quick for guys. Um, and I won't be surprised if they start, you know, seeing what uh, or start seeing kind of the fruits of those la the, the labor here with guys committing, um, you know, even in the lead up to the Cotton Bowl. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on, and this kind of goes back to the uh, the Cotton Bowl or the uh, guys electing to play in the Cotton Bowl, is that this game matters to these guys. And look, there's no they're not making uh, you know not making any bones about it. They want to be in the college football playoff, but they also want to end this season with a win. And that's something that they didn't do last year. The entire team um, obviously didn't do uh, two years ago, or excuse me, they didn't do, um, they did it against Georgia. They didn't do it against Georgia, did it against Utah. Um, they don't want to go into the season feeling like they've let down completely. Uh, you can't rewrite the history that was the Michigan game, but what you can do is go beat a pretty good Missouri team in the cotton bowl and kind of have a lasting memory for anybody who does leave the program, um, of, of winning and winning in a, a, you know, an NFL stadium that these guys are excited to play in. They just want to send everybody out on a, on a positive note. And that doesn't even mean just players leaving the program, but building into next year with a win, I think is important for a lot of these guys. And I think the matchup's interesting. You know, you get to play an sec team, you know, a relatively still new SEC team, but an SEC team nonetheless, one that competed with Georgia for three quarters earlier this year. Um, so I don't expect these guys to have this kind of let down game. I think you may see that from, from other teams around the country that were in contention for the college football playoff. Wouldn't surprise me if a Georgia, you know, see a bunch of guys opt out, things like that. They're back-to-back -back national champions. They were you know, an SEC championship win away from being back in the playoff and, and, you know, probably being the favorites to win the national championship again for a third straight year. But I don't get the sense of that from this Buckeyes team. I honestly believe, and I think you're seeing it by their actions, that these guys want to make this a, a memorable game. Um, and I think back to not too long ago when kind of the narrative was, well, Ohio State can't beat the SEC. And there was that game against Georgia, or excuse me, against Arkansas, which I guess technically was doesn't count after it was vacated. But I remember what a big game that was to, to go and beat not even a great SEC team, but just get a win against the SEC and kind of debunked that narrative a little bit. Um, you know, the, the Buckeyes have subsequently beaten Alabama, uh, you know, beaten Clemson, not an SEC team, but a team that's won national championships. So I think that there isn't as much of that, but, I do think if you end the season with a win against an SEC team like that, you just you just feel better heading into the offseason. And that may not be as important to fans. We'll see what the interest is in this game. Um, but I do think that, that this team really does care about this game and, and making sure they end it the right way. I'll think bonus for 
specifically those of us who cover the team, but I think for some of you as well, it's not a New Year's game. Um, so you're going to have your, your New Year's Eve, New Year's Day free to do whatever you want with it. Um, you know, the game's on December 29th. I'll be able to get home back to Columbus for New Year's. So um, this happened when they went to the Cotton Bowl against USC a few years ago. I do think it's a nice, nice little perk if you're gonna if you're gonna be in the Cotton Bowl and it's not gonna be a playoff game. I'm gonna wrap up with. I think there were a couple questions um, that I noticed. I'm gonna see if I can find them in here. Uh, if you do have any more anything that we didn't talk about that you want asked, feel free to uh, throw it in the chat uh, here. If you're watching this live, I'll answer a, a few questions here before we sign off. Uh, one from Jeff Mars Mascarella Mascarella. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too bad. Um, what does our safety room look like? Lathan Ransom leaving, Jacod Carter having another year. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Bill and I were actually on the phone talking about this earlier today because of, of kind of their recruiting of both transfer portal safeties and um, trying to, to, to land another one in the class. Lathan Ransom can come back. Uh, we have not talked with Lathan. Obviously, he had the injury that cost him almost the full second half of the season, that leg injury. If if I were advising Lathan, I think he could use another year, um, you know, fully healthy season to showcase what he can do. I think he had a really good season, but the fact that that injury kind of derailed uh, some of the big games, uh, I it wouldn't surprise me either way, I guess what I would say with Lathan. Um, Jacob Carter, yes, I do believe he will be back. In fact, the only guy that is certainly leaving that room is, is Josh Proctor. Um, now you have seen Kai Stokes, Cameron Martinez enter the transfer portal. So they are also departing, but uh, Josh Proctor is the only one out of eligibility. Um, so the Buckeyes clearly with their actions want to add a couple more safeties. Um, you know, they'd like to, you know, kind of fill that room a little bit uh, with you know, numbers wise. It is as, Jim Knowles calls it a safety driven defense. Um, and looking at the class, just to make sure I don't get this wrong, Jalen McLean, uh, four three star prospect coming in, um, and Leroy Roker are both already there. And then, as Bill said earlier, they have another, uh, another kid they're trying to flip and another guy out of the transfer portal they're looking at. So, usually, I'd say Ohio State wants that safety room numbers to be somewhere between eight and 10, given what they've what they've, uh, you know, number of guys they use now, you know, you can use Jordan Hancock in that nickel, nickel position, things like that. Uh, I did see people while Bill was finishing up. I didn't want to take any of his time to answer. Yes, I am drinking eggnog. I mentioned it off the top, uh, trying to get in the holiday spirit here on the Bucknuts happy hour. Right. Uh, honestly, we had some in the fridge. It sounded good. And, um, you know, we're all about we're all about things that sound good in the Bucknuts happy hour. Uh, we've got a question from Jermaine Runnels: Is a running back needed even with Henderson or without? Uh, yeah, it would not surprise me if they go in the transfer portal. Uh, maybe try you know if they find somebody recruiting wise, you know, out of high school that they think they can uh, think they can flip land uh, that they like that you know like a Mayan Williams who was kind of a late addition back in the day. But yeah, I mean, right now, if Travion Henderson comes back, you are looking at a room with Travion Henderson and Down Hayden. So that would probably be your one, two. But the depth would be pretty depleted. Um, you're looking at two, maybe three running backs and James Peoples, Jordan Lyle, depending on what he decides to do. 
And then um, Sam Williams Dixon as kind of your, your depth there in terms of scholarship running backs. Um, so yes, I would not be surprised if the Buckeyes do look to add a running back somewhere. Um, Bobby McCormick asked, will there be any coaching changes? Hold on. After talking eggnog, I needed a little bit of a uh, little bit of eggnog. Um, I would not, I would think so. Um, look, if you were Ryan day and you are kind of evaluating these last, you know, this last two seasons of basically this same staff, um, the job hasn't gotten done for one way or another. And you have to figure out why that is. And, you know, it's come down to basically losing to Michigan either year. Um, but there have been issues in other games, right? And, you know, we've talked about it. Special teams obviously has not been good enough. Um, you know, I do think you've got to take a good hard look at offensive line play. And I think it got better as the season went on. And I do think Justin Fry is a good coach. But you need to make sure that you've got the best possible guy there um, to, to handle that. I think the you know questions on the defense, I think, were pretty much answered throughout most of the season. I know James Laurinaitis is sitting there um, at, as a non-full-time assistant coach, and they would love to make him a full-time assistant coach if that's possible. How you navigate that, I think, is, is a good question because it doesn't sound like the NCAA is expanding the coaching staffs right now. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think there's, yes, I think there will be, there will be some coaching changes. How many I think is the only person who knows that is, is Ryan day, but it would not surprise me if there is, uh, is at least one, maybe two, uh, Jeff asked, is there rum in the eggnog? That's for me to know on this one. We're a beer, we're a beer podcast. Uh, no, I did not put rum in there mainly because I don't have any rum in the house. I did think about it and I also need to, uh, you know, do, do a little bit of work after this. I'm fine having a beer on the podcast, but when we get into liquor, uh, it, it becomes a little much if I have to work afterwards, maybe we'll do a, a podcast in an evening sometimes. And when, when we don't have to, uh, you know, finish more work afterwards, and maybe we'll even get more people on the, uh, on the podcast because of that, but yes, no rum in the eggnog today, but we'll get, we'll get back to beer next week. I just eggnog sounded good. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, my plan is, and just for you guys to, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Bobby McCormick says the bourbon hour. I do like that. That does sound good. Um, plan is so next week is, is going to be a little different because, we're heading into the holidays. Actually, excuse me. No, next week should be fine. Um, we should have a, a normal Bucknuts happy hour. May dive a little bit more into Missouri. Um, we've obviously got the early signing period start, so we'll, we'll talk some about that most likely. The week after that, the, the plan here for me is to head down to Dallas on Christmas Day. Um, so we'll do at least one podcast while we're down there. I imagine we will also do a Bucknuts Morning 5 one day with Dave, Steve, and I all aboard um, talking about the game because we have five days uh, uh, of lead up to that game. So keep your eyes out for, for that. I imagine next week we're talking Wednesday, Thursday maybe for um, – actually probably Thursday after the early signing period stuff – 
Uh, and we'll roll from there. I think, like I said, I think this Missouri game became more interesting, this Cotton Bowl. And uh, I hope I hope you guys are interested in it. We'll be covering it all. We'll be covering the transfer portal, the early signing period. We're doing it all. We're doing it all. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks again for, to Bill Curlick for jumping on with us, spending a half an hour with the happy hour. He's a busy, busy man, so to take half an hour is, is a lot to ask for him. Thank you, guys. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to chug this eggnog, but at least I will drink some of it here. But uh, cheers, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Hello, Buckeye fans, and welcome to another episode of the Buck Nuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy from Buck Nuts and 24-7 Sports here. We're going to hit on a bunch of different topics today. Um, I am uh, drinking some eggnog. I decided to get in the holiday spirit as we head into that season. So uh, we had some of this in the fridge. I decided to pour a glass of that for the happy hour today. So uh, cheers to that. And happy uh, holidays, whatever you celebrate, to everybody. Um, today we're going to talk some transfer portal, some recruiting. We're going to have Bill Curlick on from, from Bucknuts to talk with us about that. And then uh, I'll get into some of my thoughts. We didn't have a show last week, so a lot to kind of touch on in terms of the team and what they're up to, what's going on over there at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, especially after we had some interviews with some of the players on Tuesday. But let's get into it and bring in Bill Curlick. Hey, Bill, what's going on? Well, it's transfer portal time, uh, less than a week away from National Signing Day. So basically, I don't have anything to do right now. Uh, I, uh, uh, recruiting is uh, going on feverishly, I guess you'd say. And, there, and the coaches, Ohio State and all the other college coaches are out on the road recruiting. So lots going on. Actually, uh, Ohio State just offered another player a scholarship today. Uh, tight end from uh, the same high school as uh, uh, Aaron Nolan is from, Langston Hughes High School in Fairborn, Georgia. And so they're, they're working hard. They're, uh, the, the player they offered to scholarship to today is a 2026 player. So they're looking ahead as well as trying to finish up their 2024 class and getting to work, doing plenty of work still on 2025. It's good work there. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about how this used to be like the slower period for at least team stuff in between the bowl game end of the regular season. You covered some basketball. You got ready for early signing day. Now it just goes. It's it's just nonstop. I feel like we're always covering something. But let's talk transfer portal, Bill. Um, so far. This offseason, if we can call it, it's, I guess it's not even really the offseason, the in between the regular season and bowl season, um, Ohio State has had 15 guys enter the transfer portal, which is more than they had last year, but probably not more than you expected. Uh, one of those includes Will Hartson, who is a walk on, preferred walk on running back. Um, of those guys who have entered the portal thus far, is there anyone who really surprised you that, that they were looking to leave the program? 
Well, I think the the obvious answer and the uh, honest answer is Kyle McCord. Um, yeah, did right. not see that one happening. Um, you know, I, obviously uh, that was precipitated by the fact that uh, Kyle wasn't being, you know, necessarily guaranteed a starting spot. And, you know, to be honest, that's kind of the way it should be. Um, you know, you compete every day for your position. Um, Pete Carroll had uh, what he called when he was at USC, his competition Tuesdays. Every Tuesday was a competition to see who was going to start the following Saturday. And, you know, the, the world of college football uh, in this day and age and the competitiveness, you know, you, you need to really compete every day for your position. And uh, that's kind of what uh, uh, the situation was that uh, Kyle McCord was going to, to, to need to compete. Not to say he wouldn't necessarily uh, win the job again, but he was going to need to compete for his spot in the bowl game. And um, that that one certainly surprised me. Yeah, I guess I probably should have said other than Kyle McCord, because that, as you pointed out, was the most obvious. Um, to me, Chip Tranum was, was a surprising one. I thought for sure he'd be back next year, given kind of the way he talked, especially after that Notre Dame game with the touchdown, um, how he'd, you know, do anything for this program, an Ohio kid who had transferred already once back from Arizona state. And obviously he wasn't in uh, the role he probably would have liked as a starting running back, but this is a guy who came to Ohio state to play linebacker. So he seemed to, uh, seemed to be pretty content to me early on. And then, uh, obviously he felt there was a better opportunity. Now he's headed to Kentucky. Um, and we'll see how, how it goes from there. Most people are, are well aware. And by the way, if you're watching this live, you have any questions, whether it be recruiting, transfer portal, uh, the team, throw them in the uh, chat here. And we'll try and get to some of those as we go along. But, uh, Bill, what would yeah. you say? I want to real quick, Pat, uh, yeah. you, you mentioned Chip Trainham. I have to say that uh, one of my favorite guys through the recruiting process, when he was in high school, uh, and even when he got in the portal, just a really, really nice young man, uh, not really great kid in high school and was always more than cooperative with everything. Um, you know, he, he didn't go to Ohio state in large part out of high school because Ohio state, um, liked him more as a linebacker Yeah, and he wanted to play running back in Arizona state. You know, they wanted, they wanted him as a running back and he ended up going there. And it's really ironic that, um, you know, he, he gets re-recruited by Ohio State again as a linebacker. And this time he says yes, but then he gets here to Ohio State, and that didn't work out. He, he was needed at running back, and he he, he definitely made an impact on, on Ohio State and the, and the team this season at running back. And, you know, I, I'm sorry to see him go And that, again, he's one of the fav- my favorite guys that I've really uh, – had the pleasure of, of, of talking to often during the recruiting process. And, and uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to do well at Kentucky. And uh, I, uh, I just wish him all the best there because really a, a quality young man. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the time we had with him while he was in the program, these last couple seasons, nothing but great, uh, great interactions. And I do think he made an impact. You know, he did play some linebacker, but got to start a few games 
last year at running back, got to play a good amount as kind of the number two running back behind Travion Henderson this year. So certainly got his chance to play for his hometown team on both sides of the ball, uh, which is kind of uh, interesting given his recruitment. But as we look at Ohio State right now, as, as the roster is kind of constructed, you look at what they've been doing in terms of reaching out to transfer portal guys. Where would you say they are probably looking the most um, from the the transfer portal? What position group is is maybe the most interesting for Ohio State right now? Well, I'd start out a little bit broader than that and say okay. defense. Okay. Um, that's their main place that they're looking right now. For instance, uh, last weekend uh, they hosted Derek Harmon, Michigan State's starting defensive tackle, on an official visit. Um, and that visit, by the way, went very well. Uh, he is going to continue to take visits. Um, in fact, I was told last night that he will go ahead and visit Oregon this coming weekend. And he's already been to Auburn, already been now to Ohio State. Um, but uh, certainly he's a guy to keep in mind for Ohio State. He had a, he had a really good visit with the Buckeyes this past weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, you look at who they're bringing in right now, as things stand right now, um, they're bringing in a, a linebacker, uh, Caleb Elarms, or he is from Cal and he is a tackling machine. He visited TCU last weekend. We'll make an official visit to Ohio State this weekend. They also are bringing in a safety, uh, Kamari Ramsey from UCLA. Um, he was UCLA's top defensive back last season. And he has, by the way, three years of eligibility left. So, that's a lot of time to, to, to still have. Uh, he will make an official visit to Ohio State this weekend. And then Trey Moore, a defensive end edge guy from uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. He's visiting. Unless it gets changed, he's visiting Ohio State this weekend. And well, well I say less, unless it gets changed because he had a visit to Texas last weekend and they're definitely the favorite to land him, but he didn't commit. And as of now, he is scheduled to visit Ohio State this weekend. So right now, plenty of focus on defense. Uh, somebody that's not um, necessarily scheduled yet to visit Ohio State is LT Overton. He's a uh, defensive end out of Texas A&M. He was at Texas A&M this past season. He's another guy that uh, to keep in mind. And if you want to switch to the offensive side of the ball, certainly uh, Chase Bichantis, an offensive tackle at Texas A&M, he is a guy that Ohio State is definitely interested in through the transfer portal. Yeah, we had uh, a question from uh, Todd. I'm going to butcher this last name. Mikkel Murray um, about O-line transfers. Obviously, that was a big discussion a year ago. The Buckeyes ended up with two, Victor Cutler, who has subsequently entered the transfer portal so far this year, and Josh Simmons, who started at left tackle all season for the Buckeyes. Um, what are they looking for in on the offensive line there? What What, what is uh, what is the area they're focusing on? We know they're going to lose Matthew Jones, could lose Donovan Jackson as well. He said he's going to play in the bowl game, but hasn't decided on his future. Where are the Buckeyes looking at in terms of positions on the offensive line? Well, I think the that everybody feels like uh, offensive tackle is where the help is needed. Um, they could always kick somebody inside, so to speak. Um, not out of the question that maybe a Josh Fryer uh, could move it into guard. There is an open guard spot right now. Depending on what Donovan Jackson does, there could be two open guard spots. But there's at least one for sure, Matt Jones's position. So, 
you know, I think they're going to go for the best offensive lineman they can find. If it's a tackle, even the better, but the best offensive lineman they can find and then get the next season, get the best five guys on the field. Um, Chase Bashantis is a uh, offensive tackle, um, but some people feel he would be better at guard. Um, so he's maybe someone that could move inside to guard uh, or perhaps stay at tackle. But I think um, I think mainly that you think tackle, but you think, you know, somebody that could play guard or if need be, they could move somebody on the current roster inside to guard. I think it's interesting that you said that, you know, that they're going to take the best guy available. I think a couple mm-hmm. years ago, Ohio State probably doesn't do that because they're worried about not bring or bring a guy in that would supplant somebody already on the roster. And I think this is an example. And we saw some of it uh, that this past year, you know, a guy like Davis and Igbenosin coming in and, and quickly becoming a starter over some of the younger guys on the roster. Um, I think the Buggies have realized this is kind of the, the way of the world in terms of college football. And uh, they now have to play this game, right? You can't just recruit high school kids anymore. We've seen it with some other programs, Clemson being the main one. Uh, you've got to play this game. And it seems like, and tell me if you think I'm wrong here, Bill, that Ohio State is is more willing to go get a guy who maybe will play over somebody on the roster than they were a couple of years ago. Is Do you feel like that as, as well? Well, I think, like you said, they know they have to be – um, somebody, uh, someone that's active in this game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Michigan, for instance, you know, y- y- their roster had this season a lot of four and fifth year guys playing for them. Some six. Now, yeah. The highest state, when they go recruit, they've recruited better than Michigan the last few years. There's no question about that. Um, but when you recruit the high-level kids, some of them end up being three-and-done guys. They're, they're here for three years at Ohio State, and then they're off to the NFL. Uh, Michigan hasn't had as many of those you know, elite players pick Michigan and then do the three-and-done thing as Ohio State does. So a lot of their guys were fourth- and fifth-year guys this year. And that's, you know, it may come back to haunt them a little bit for next season when when a lot of guys leave. But at least for last season and this season, it's really helped their program having all those guys stick around that weren't necessarily as highly recruited and weren't guys that were going to go to the NFL after three years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just different ways of doing things, right? In terms of how you, how you build out your roster. Um, we had a question here. I wanted to get to, you mentioned um, the Cal linebacker, uh, Bobby McCormick asked, is, is he a little undersized? Well, he's six, two and two thirty. So, you know, I, I wouldn't call that undersized. Maybe it's not, you know, six, three and uh, 245 pounds, but it's six, two, two thirty to me. That that's, that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, if you were to guess, based on what you know, how many guys do you think Ohio State signs once we're once we're all said and done um, from the the transfer portal? Last year, I think they ended up with nine guys total, and that included um, the the linebacker from Northwestern late, right before fall camp started. What would you guess the number is when when we head into next season in terms of 
transfer portal additions? Well, a lot is going to depend on who stays at Ohio State this year. Sure. Um, you know, they they the defensive line is a good spot to start with there. You know, the four guys that started this year, the most or at least, uh, you got JT Tui Moloau and you got Jack Sawyer. We don't know what they're going to do next season yet. Um, I think they'll I think they'll get their paperwork and make their decisions, but we don't know right now. Uh, Tyleek Williams is another one. And if you would have asked me before the season started, I would have told you that uh, Mike Hall might be as likely as anybody to yeah. go to the NFL draft. Um, so, you know, what do those four guys do? That's going to impact it a lot. If all four were to stay or if all four were to go, <laughs> that makes a huge difference. You know, I, I, I think if I had to predict right now, I would I would say that uh, probably at least two, if not three, or maybe even all four are going to come back to Ohio State next season. So if uh, that's going to impact what they do in the transfer portal, certainly. Um, and that goes throughout the roster. You know, who, who else leaves that, uh, that they kind of have to replace with a more immediate impact? Does Jordan Hancock leave, for instance? Um, yeah. Uh, does Lathan Ransom leave? You know, if, if those guys leave, that impacts the secondary. Uh, so I think that, you know, we have to wait and see how that all shakes out. But if you ask me right now, I think that uh, they're going to most likely add at least five guys through the portal, maybe uh, up to 10, but at least five guys I would think will, will end up at Ohio State through the portal. Yeah, that seems to me to be like the, the safe number to go with here um, as we transition continue to transition into this transfer portal era um i don't think ohio state's ever going to be a colorado uh you know a, a usc even where they're taking multiple double digit numbers of guys uh but i do well, think michigan right state is, from a year and a two years yeah, ago yeah exactly that's a good one um you don't have to rebuild the program like that because of how well they recruit but you do you do be you are able to get some guys with experience which i think is a positive um, let's move over to the, the high school recruiting side of things, because we are about to hit the early signing period. Who are some names that Buckeye fans need to keep an eye on, um, in terms of guys that Ohio state are still trying to lock down as we, we head into this next week. Well, the, the, I guess my two biggest ones would be Coy Parrish and Amaris Williams, and not necessarily in any order. You put one over the other if you want. But Coy Parrish is a safety out of Minnesota. He's committed to Minnesota. Um, he made an official visit to Ohio State last weekend, canceled his official visit to Florida State, which was going to be this weekend. And he's going to decide between Ohio State and staying with Minnesota. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. Where would you rather be? And so, but it really, in his case, it's not necessarily a no-brainer. He's a kid from Minnesota, and he has an older brother that was a freshman this season at Mankato State, which is not too far away. Um, so, for him, it's I think it's going to be somewhat of a difficult decision of which way he goes. Um, uh, but both programs definitely would like to add him to their rosters. So that's one. Amaris Williams is the defensive end edge out of North Carolina. He's still committed to Florida. And I really liked the Buckeyes' chances 
of flipping him. In fact, I crystal balled him to Ohio State, uh, flipping him from Florida. Now uh, Auburn has gotten involved and Georgia has gotten involved somewhat too. So that makes it a little dicier for Ohio State when you're now uh, not only trying to flip him, but trying to keep him from going to, say, Auburn, for instance. But uh, he's another one that certainly is is really big as far as the radar screen. Now, the third one that I'd put in there right now would be Carlin Jones, a defensive lineman out of Texas. He made an official visit to Ohio State last weekend, uh, went very well. But he, at least for this coming weekend, is going to continue to take visits before he makes a decision. Um, they have been trying to flip Notre Dame linebacker commitment Kingston uh, via Ahu Asa from Notre Dame to Ohio State. But I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't completely rule it out. But when you look at the high state's bringing in a transfer portal linebacker this weekend, as an example. So uh, I would be surprised at this point if they can flip Kingston, but he is certainly uh, another guy they have certainly been working hard on. And there has been communication, two-way communication between Ohio State and Kingston. You mentioned flipping. I saw a couple of people ask about this. I was going to ask you anyway. Um, I know you and I have talked about this separately. Uh, Lyle, the running back, uh, Jordan Lyle, there's been talk for a while that he may flip to Miami. I know he's got a visit set to go to Miami before, I think it was this, this week, this weekend. Um, what is kind of the latest on his situation and where he stands with the Buckeyes? Well, um, all season long, he has pretty stayed pretty, pretty solidly committed to Ohio State, even though there have been a lot of rumors about Miami and, and even one or two other schools. Uh, but the things have intensified in the last, uh, say, two weeks. Now, you know, I, I think uh, I would – I don't know if I would go and say I'd be totally surprised if he stayed at Ohio State. But I think uh, at this point, I think um, it's going to be tough to keep him from flipping to Miami. He is visiting there, an official visit this weekend. They get the last shot. Um, I just think that one's going to be a hard one, a really hard one for Ohio State to keep in the class. And that's interesting because you've already got, as we mentioned before, Chip Tranum has transferred, Evan Pryor transferring to Cincinnati. We're waiting on the decision from Travion Henderson, who put out a tweet earlier today, making it clear that he's not made any decision yet, despite some rumors. Uh, and then you've got Dallin Hayden as the only other scholarship running back uh, because Mayan Williams is going pro. So you will have James Peoples. You have Sam Williams Dixon in this class. We talked about maybe needing to, to readjust our transfer portal expectations. You do wonder if maybe they go find another running back if if you don't bring in three um, coming off of, of – if, if that flip happens, I guess I should say, just for numbers purposes, if nothing else. Uh, but, again, we're, we're waiting on decisions from, from Travion Henderson, which would obviously be a big boost for the Buckeyes if he returned. Um, as you look at this class as it's currently constructed, what is there to really like from your perspective – for the Buckeyes and maybe where is a position or two where uh, they haven't hit on guys or are still working on some guys? Well, um, as far as liking, it's kind of the same old, same old wide receiver. They got two five stars there. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah Smith, who I think, and I've said this all along that I, I think he's, despite all the season long rumors and despite the fact that he's taken visits all season uh, to Ohio state and other schools, 
Um, I felt all along that Jeremiah Smith is taking those visits just as a safety net, so to speak, for the most part, that if Ryan Day or Brian Hartline were not at Ohio State, then he would have done his homework, his research, and, and be ready, so to speak, to go somewhere else if need be. But as long as Brian Hartline and Ryan Day at Ohio State, I have continued and still continue to feel he's going to end up a Buckeye. Um, and then you've got Mylon Graham, wide, five-star wide receiver out of Indiana. And then you've got Jeremiah McClellan. He is, quote, only a four-star, but he's, he's a high four-star and he's really good. Um, wouldn't be surprising to me if he turned out to be a great wide receiver at Ohio State. I think uh, he's just a great football player. So you've got three wide receivers that you could, I think, argue that all three are five-star guys. Uh, getting Edrick Houston out of uh, Buford, Georgia, that was huge. He's a five-star mm -hmm. defensive end, and they have a needed defensive end. That was huge for Ohio State. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the secondary You've got the two corners that I absolutely love from Ohio, Aaron Scott and Bryce West. I think they can be impact corners. And then the kid doesn't get as much publicity as Miles Lockhart out of Arizona. He's really, he's a really good one too. So uh, those are kind of the, the high points of the class, so to speak. Um, as far as I think you mentioned where maybe they could have used some help on the offensive line. Now, having said that, I think Ian Moore is going to be a really, really good offensive tackle for the Buckeyes. I think he's got a chance to, to be a starter uh, and a very, very good starter. And I really love the potential of the other three guys they got. Deontay Armstrong, uh, I think he has a chance to be a very good tackle for Ohio State. His brother, Devontae Armstrong, a guard. And then Gabe Van Sickles a, it was a late addition, but he has a chance to be a good one. So uh, you would have liked to have seen them get one more uh, really high-level offensive lineman, a tackle, um, if you had your brothers. And, of course, Jordan Seaton was one guy they really wanted. But still, you know, that, that, that's a position that's okay, but they, they really had hoped to do a little better there. I want to take listeners behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, when that Jordan Seaton commit, commitment happened, you and I were texting, calling each other <laughs> – for that because we we were both so shocked that he was ending up at Colorado. Uh, I believe the text you said to me was, is this for real? Uh, <laughs> and you're not, you and I aren't the only ones. This caught a lot of people off guard, the timing of it. We knew it was going to be that day, but announcing on Fox, uh, you know, sometimes these kids make decisions that uh, even a recruiting expert who's been doing it as long as Bill uh, is not prepared for uh, and, you know, not that you weren't prepared for it, but just like weren't didn't didn't see it coming. Uh, I thought that one was kind of a, a crazy one that people might find funny. Um, one guy, yeah, you didn't... there was no crystal ball or no uh, yeah. prediction. You could go to any network you wanted to go to, and nobody had him going to Colorado. No, definitely not. Um, one guy you didn't mention that I think is pretty relevant to talk about, given the Kyle McCord transfer is Air Nolan. Um, Ryan Day has not started a true freshman quarterback, and I'm going to get into quarterbacks more once you're out of here, Bill. But what what is there to like about 
left-handed quarterback, Air Nolan, high four-star guy. What should fans who who haven't seen him play maybe uh, need to know about him? Well, when you talk about quarterbacks, they to me, being a winner is at the, one of the top things possible. He's a winner. Uh, last year as a junior, I believe, uh, in fact, I know, he led his team to an undefeated state championship. They were uh, 15 or 16 and 0. Uh, this year, he didn't quite have the surrounding cast that he did last year, but they still, they were good. Uh, I think they were finished nine and three or something like that. So he's a winner first and foremost. Um, uh, good pocket presence. He is not a uh, Braxton Miller type guy for sure. Not uh, He's not going to rush for a thousand yards at Ohio State at any point in his career but he can run if needed. I mean, he can escape the rush. He's mobile enough. Um, he is, as you said, Pat, left-handed, um, which generally, you know, you think of that as maybe not the best thing because the ball spins a little differently coming out of a left-hander's hand, and that's a little different for the receivers catching the ball. But still, um, there have been a lot of great quarterbacks that are left-handed. So he, he uh, certainly can can get it done, I think, at Ohio State. Um, and I think he, he's a very poised young man, which is very important. So there, there's a lot to like about air. And, and another thing is that he, he just wanted to be a Buckeye. Even through the recruiting process, he wasn't offered a scholarship by Ohio State. And I was talking to him and he, he said more than once, I really want that offer. I really want that offer. And that's the kind of kids you want, the kids that want to be a part of your program. We've had a couple people I saw in the comments uh, bring up Dylan Rayola, who was obviously committed to Ohio State at one point in time, flipped his commitment to Georgia. Now there's speculation he may flip his commitment again to Nebraska. Uh, Bill, I know you're not following that as closely, but what, what was your reaction when you did see some of that coming through? Our Steve Wiltfong and, and others putting out that, that Rayola at least is going to take a visit to Nebraska. How did you, uh, what was your initial reaction when you saw that? Well, that one didn't surprise me too much, to be honest, because uh, uh, I, I knew that Nebraska has continued to recruit him. Um, I didn't necessarily think he was going to end up there and flip from Georgia, but I, I thought they were going to stay in it. You know, he, he's got an uncle that is the offensive line coach there. Um, so, so obviously, with that connection and continuing to recruit him, I thought that was a possibility. And and he is, as you mentioned, Pat, going to visit there. And it's kind of funny. We, um, we were eyes on the podcast, our, our Tuesday morning podcast um, with Mark Porter and Dan Rubin. And as we were talking on the podcast, it came through that uh, a contract extension had just been given to his uncle as the offensive line coach of Nebraska. So you know, that doesn't uh, hurt your efforts at all. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Certainly one for, for Buckeye fans to kind of pay attention to off in the distance. They've got the quarterback coming to Ohio State, so they can they can watch that one with interest if they choose. Well, Bill, I've kept you on here longer than I expected to, so I know it's busy. I appreciate your time, and uh, thanks. I think there was a lot of really good insight in there for, for the listeners, so I appreciate it. I appreciate that, Pat. You do a great job, as always, and um, we've only got uh, six and a half more days till signing day now. Yep, yep. It's coming fast. It's coming fast. All right, Bill, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. All right, bye. Again, that was Bill Kerlick from Bucknuts 24-7, my colleague there. Um, 
you know, if you have followed recruiting, Ohio State recruiting specifically over the last, I don't know, 15, 20, 25, however many years, I want to don't want to date Bill too bad, but uh, you are probably at least aware of Bill Curlick. And I assume if you're watching our podcast, you're very aware of Bill Curlick because he and Mark Porter, as he mentioned, do a show at least once a week, if not twice a week. So Bill's one of the best in the business. I appreciate him coming on and, and giving us some insight into kind of the, the transfer portal slash recruiting stuff. Um, now I want to dive into some of the team stuff um, that's been happening over the last couple of weeks. We didn't have a show last week while uh, we had stuff going on, but um, so, so I want to kind of go back. Um, we also had availability with some players on Tuesday, which was enlightening. In fact, let's just start there because, and I'm sure you've heard by now as you listen to this, that a number of players have decided to at least play in the bowl game, um, if not more. They were all still undecided at that point on in terms of their future. Um, but in the bowl game, you will see Emeka Buka, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Donovan Jackson, Tyleek Williams, and Jack Sawyer, which I think is a huge boost for Ohio State going into that game. Um, it not only shows the importance that the Buckeyes are placing on it, but the fact that these guys, at the very least, want to play one more game uh, with, with their brothers, with this team, and then they will decide, make their announcements on, on whatever's going to happen in the future. Um, I think you can read into this very positively. I think I wrote about this yesterday. I think that the fact that these guys are talking about unfinished business, I won't say that I think all of them are going to come back, but I think I would not be surprised. And this is just speculation on my part. If this leads to a group of Buckeyes coming back now, a group of Buckeye juniors coming back. Uh, now, we did not hear from JT Tuumalau. We did not hear from Travion Henderson. And if you missed it earlier, I mentioned Travion Henderson put out a tweet earlier today. And we're recording this on Wednesday. That he has not made a decision. Um, and th that comes after kind of rumors given Chip Tranum's uh, transfer and Evan Pryor's decision to transfer that uh, Travion may have decided and told his teammates he was coming back for his senior year. This is from the horse's mouth. This isn't reporting from somebody else. He says he's not made a decision yet. So we still await word from Travion Henderson. But I think back to the 2020 Michigan team, which obviously had a really bad season, COVID year. Um, but a bunch of those guys that could have gone off to the NFL decided to come back and focus on wanting to beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten championship. And as I was sitting in these interviews on Tuesday, listening to Denzel Burke, Emeka Buka, uh, Jack Sawyer, the rest of these guys talk about how, you know, never having won a Big Ten title or beaten Michigan in their careers uh, is certainly something that's at least going to play a factor in their decisions. I think you could see something similar with the Buckeyes this offseason. Now, I'm not saying all of them are going to come back. I noticed I did not include Marvin Harrison Jr. in that group because I think he's kind of a separate entity when it comes to, to making his decision, given where he's likely to land in the NFL draft. To me, I know he talked before the weekend about 
he hadn't made up his mind yet and he still wants to beat Michigan and things like that. There's not enough NIL money in the sport right now, especially given where he could be drafted for it to make sense to predict that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to return to college football next year. Could he do it? Yes, but it would be one of the upsets of the century when we're talking about guys staying or going. Um, so I will, until Marvin Harrison, and I said similar things with CJ Stroud last year, until he announces he's coming back to Ohio State, I'm going to believe that Marvin has played uh, played his Ohio State career. Maybe he plays in the Cotton Bowl. I would still be surprised by that. So I don't group him in with the rest of these guys. But I think all of the rest of those guys that that Emeka Ibuka, um, you know, Donovan Jackson, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Tyleek Williams, Jack Sawyer, and, and there's other ones. I think you could group Travion Henderson in there, even though he didn't talk. Um, potentially JT Tuamalau, but those are guys that I think still not only feel like they have more that the team can accomplish, but could probably help themselves with another year of college football. And JT Tuamalau may be on the like fringes of that. I think you know the way he was as a, a recruit, had they been able to, NFL teams might have been interested at that point in time. So I don't know if maybe he can help his draft stock a huge amount by coming back. But look, Emeka Buka, a guy who's supremely talented, and I'm just using him as an example. He's the number one receiver in his recruiting class. He has had a good career at Ohio State, especially last season. Um, but And just on talent alone, I think he could probably be, uh, you know, day two draft pick but if he comes back and is say the Buckeyes top receiver next year well now you're talking about maybe first round draft pick maybe high first round draft pick um you know I don't know if he'll get the buzz that Marvin Harrison Jr. has gotten this year and Bolitnikoff and all that but I certainly think he could help himself and you know get another guy Denzel Burke he had a really good season this year but has really only put together the two good seasons as he was injured a lot last year and, you know, struggled to kind of get through that. And he's talked about this mentally. So I think there are, in addition to wanting to beat Michigan and win a big, big 10 title, which I do think is real for these guys because they all expected to come in and do this every year and have not achieved any of those goals yet. I also think on, you know, in terms of individual helping themselves, I think there's an opportunity there again, um, I've learned to generally lean towards the side of guys who can go pro probably will, but NIL has changed things. And, you know, like I said, that, that there is the motivation, motivating factor of one more season to kind of cement your legacy by beating Michigan, winning a big 10, you know, and potentially a national championship. I mean, you look at what, uh, what it's going to look like next year with the 12 team playoff. I mean, Ohio State is pretty much in the field before the season even starts, unless something catastrophic happens. I think only twice since 2004, I think the 2004 season, 2011 season are the only times Ohio State hasn't been ranked in the top 12 at the end of the year. So, I mean, you can almost lock Ohio State in. So, you know, you're going to compete for a national championship next year. Michigan's losing a ton. They have to come to Columbus. Not that that mattered two years ago, but if you have this veteran team with a bunch of guys returning, motivated, schedule's not supremely difficult. I think there's a there's a path there for the Buckeyes. Um, if if a, a group of these guys decide we're going to go come back and we're going to go get it done. 
Um, the other big news since last time we talked, and I know this has been discussed a lot in the last week plus, is is the transferring of Kyle McCord. Um, I don't want to get into too much about Kyle because I think we're beating a dead horse with that. He's gone. Um, I think Kyle McCord, as I've said on this show and others throughout the season, is a is a very good quarterback who was just a first year starter playing after three straight first-year starters that were just elite players at Ohio State. And I do think Kyle, with the right coaching, um, can, and if he puts puts in the effort this offseason, can turn into to a really good quarterback, a guy who, who will be looked at by the NFL. He felt the need to go on and do that someplace else. Understand that's the world we live in. But let's look at the Buckeyes situation here. And I wrote about this earlier this week because I think the immediate reaction was, Ohio State loses Kyle McCord to the transfer portal. Oh, no, now they have to go and get somebody from the transfer portal. And all these names started coming up. And I'm sure if you've been following it, you know who they were. Uh, Some of them, I think, had more legitimacy. I know some of them had more legitimacy than others. Uh, Agents get involved. Family members get involved. This, that, and the other thing. But I think if you look at it, the, the quarterback room at Ohio State wasn't in a place of of desperation when they lost Kyle McCord. You know, Devin Brown is a guy who pushed Kyle into the season this past year, right? And frankly, you know, had things gone a little differently, probably wins that job. Um, and this isn't to take anything away from Kyle. He ended up winning the job and, and rightfully so. But Devin Brown is a guy that Ohio State likes a lot and believes that he can do some different things. The 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 dual dual threat ability that he possesses and he's not a you know he's not a huge rusher but he's much more so than than Kyle or CJ Stroud was um and you know not that Ohio State has used a ton of that even when Justin Fields was here but they did there's a narrative out there that Ryan Day doesn't want quarterbacks to run he doesn't want quarterbacks to get hurt and run unnecessarily and most of the time Ohio State doesn't need a quarterback to to do that in you know, 90% of the games, but you saw CJ Stroud when he needed to, you saw Justin Fields when he needed to, um, you know, go all the way back to JT Barrett under Ryan day when, when Ryan day was the offensive coordinator. I mean, even Dwayne Haskins ran a little bit, so it's not like he is forbidding quarterbacks to run. So Devin Brown brings that element to it and he continues to develop as a passer. Uh, Excuse me, Lincoln Keenholz, um, the freshman came in, they were pretty high on Lincoln as a recruit anyway, but once he got on campus, once he started to, to get settled and show what he can do, they believe, and, and this is, this is kind of how I wrote it. They believe they've, they've really unearthed something here. You know, he was still a four-star quarterback, uh, but he was outside the top 10 in terms of the quarterback prospects in the 2023 class, which most of their guys have been top five, six ish. Um, recruits, but they believe they went into uh, the or they they went they went and found a guy who who maybe was a little undervalued just because of where he he played in Pierre, South Dakota. Uh, you know the football there isn't the South or Ohio or Texas or California, but they believe they found a talented kid. Ohio State fans got to see a little bit of him this season when he played in the two games. Did frustrate Ryan Day once taking a shot uh, to the end zone that was almost intercepted, but this is a guy that, that they like. And I think these next few weeks, next couple weeks, I guess now, before the Cotton Bowl are going to be huge for both of those guys. 
Um, and then as Bill and I were discussing earlier, you've got Aaron Nolan coming in. And I don't think that Ryan Day wants to turn the program over to a freshman quarterback at this point, just because you, you, you don't need to, you want to give these guys time to kind of settle into college and get used to the speed of the game and, and things like that. But I also don't think Ryan Day is, is going to avoid playing the best guy if Aaron Nolan can show he can do that. And they like him a lot. So you've got three guys there that you're pretty happy about. Now, Ryan Day has said multiple times that he wants a quarterback room that has four scholarship quarterbacks. So obviously you may go to the transfer portal and bring in another guy. Ohio State's done that in the past. Guys that you don't necessarily expect to start or, or even really play. Um, but you had Tristan Jebbia last year. You've had some other guys that good locker room guys, leader, leadership was a big thing for them. Um, they can help other guys in the, in that room. But my view is it was never that Ohio state needed to go out and get a transfer portal quarterback. Now, if they looked at Devin and looked at Lincoln and said, ah, we're just not sure that either of those guys are ready to be a starter. I think there probably would be a little bit more urgency and, you know, some of the guys that they were legitimately interested in, maybe they push a little bit harder to get. I think now you've got in a spot where you have these bowl practices to get Devin ready. Um, Devin Brown mentioned, you know, he hadn't been told he's going to be the starter, but he expects to be the starter in the cotton bowl. This is a great opportunity for him. I think you probably want to get Lincoln into the game a little bit too, to get him some more experience and kind of see how he handles that situation against an SEC defense in Missouri. And then you come out of the bowl game. There's still a few days before the end of the transfer portal window and, and guys can enter anytime. Remember that. And they can also commit after the window closes if they're already in the portal. So you have time to kind of evaluate and then make a decision. And then you're going to have spring practice where you can continue that evaluation. You add Aaron Nolan to the mix. And there's a window again after spring practice where guys can enter the portal. I think it's May 1st to May 15th or something along those lines. So more guys, quarterbacks who you know lose out or guys, maybe they stay in a program, even though a guy transfers in and realize, okay, this isn't going to work out for me. Guys will enter the portal. Then you have an opportunity then to go add a guy if you want to. I just think there was such a rush to react to Kyle leaving and you know, not necessarily trusting that, that, that one of these three guys can do the job. And I don't think that was the case over at the Woody Hayes athletic center. I, I, I think they believe that they still have two guys already in the program that one day are going to start at Ohio state and, and Devin Brown. I mean, this is going to be his junior year, right? It's either time to do it or not. For, for a guy like that. So the rush to the rush to the transfer portal for quarterbacks, I think was a little much. Um, that doesn't mean that the Buckeyes won't use the transfer portal and they have not landed a prospect yet. We sit here on December 13th. Um, obviously they are out recruiting the high school prospects with the early signing period uh, coming next week. So you know, you're trying to balance everything. Um, pulling up here i want to see when the buckeyes landed there so they did at this point a year ago they had two players from the transfer portal already committed and that was long snapper john froman who committed on or enrolled excuse me on december 5th and jihad carter who enrolled on december 8th 
Um, and then the next guys, Tristan Jebbia came in January, so on and so forth. So I don't think there's a huge rush to get guys in right now. Um, they are certainly doing their due diligence, as Bill talked about earlier. The there are there are visits happening. Um, those visits are very different from when you are a high school recruit. It's much more, and I've talked to guys about this in, in different sports. You're not getting the tour of the facilities as much. You're not getting, you know, shown around campus. These guys, most of them are here. They've, they've already done all that in high school, right? They want to hear about what the school can do for them. It's a lot more talking to coaches and things like that than it is like trying to show, you know, what you've got over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. So these visits happen quick for guys. Um, and I won't be surprised if they start, you know, seeing what uh, or start seeing kind of the fruits of those la the, the labor here with guys committing, um, you know, even in the lead up to the Cotton Bowl. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on, and this kind of goes back to the uh, the Cotton Bowl or the uh, guys electing to play in the Cotton Bowl, is that this game matters to these guys. And look, there's no, they're not making, uh, you know, not making any bones about it. They wanted to be in the college football playoff, but they also want to end this season with a win. And that's something that they didn't do last year. The entire team um, obviously didn't do uh, two years ago, or excuse me, they didn't do, um, they did it against Georgia. They didn't do it against Georgia, did it against Utah. Um, they don't want to go into the season feeling like they've let down completely. Uh, you can't rewrite the history that was the Michigan game. But what you can do is go beat a pretty good Missouri team in the Cotton Bowl and kind of have a lasting memory for anybody who does leave the program um, of, of winning and winning in a, a, you know, an NFL stadium that these guys are excited to play in. They just want to send everybody out on a, on a positive note. And that doesn't even mean just players leaving the program, but building into next year with a win, I think is important for a lot of these guys. And I think the matchup's interesting. You know, you get to play an SEC team, you know, a relatively still new SEC team, but an SEC team, nonetheless, one that competed with Georgia for three quarters earlier this year. Um, so I don't expect these guys to have this kind of let down game. I think you may see that from, from other teams around the country that were in contention for the college football playoff. Wouldn't surprise me if a Georgia, you know, see a bunch of guys opt out, things like that. They're back-to-back -back national champions. They were, you know, an SEC championship win away from being back in the playoff and, and, you know, probably being the favorites to win the national championship again for a third straight year. But I don't get the sense of that from this Buckeyes team. I honestly believe, and I think you're seeing it by their actions, that these guys want to make this a, a memorable game. Um, and I think back to not too long ago when kind of the narrative was, well, Ohio State can't beat the SEC. And there was that game against Georgia, or excuse me, against Arkansas, which I guess technically was doesn't count after it was vacated. But I remember what a big game that was to, to go and beat not even a great SEC team, but just get a win against the SEC and kind of, debunked that narrative a little bit um you know the, the Buckeyes have subsequently beaten Alabama uh you know beaten Clemson not an SEC team but a team that's won national championships so I think that there isn't as much of that but I do think if you end the season with a win against an SEC team like that you just you just feel better heading into the offseason and that may not be as important to fans we'll see what the interest is in this game. Um, but I do think that, that this team really does care about this game and, and making sure they end it the right way. 
I'll think bonus for specifically those of us who cover the team, but I think for some of you as well, it's not a New Year's game. Um, so you're going to have your, your New Year's Eve, New Year's Day free to do whatever you want with it. Um, you know, the game's on December 29th. I'll be able to get home back to Columbus for New Year's. So um, this happened when they went to the Cotton Bowl against USC a few years ago. I do think it's a nice, n- nice little perk if you're gonna if you're gonna be in the Cotton Bowl and it's not gonna be a playoff game. I'm gonna wrap up with. I think there were a couple questions um, that I noticed. I'm gonna see if I can find them in here. Uh, if you do have any more anything that we didn't talk about that you want asked, feel free to uh, throw it in the chat uh, here. If you're watching this live, I'll answer a, a few questions here before we sign off. Uh, one from Jeff. Mars- Mascarella, Mascarella. Hopefully, I didn't butcher that too bad. Um, what does our safety room look like? Lathan Ransom leaving, Jacod Hard- Carter having another year. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Bill and I were actually on the phone talking about this earlier today because of, of kind of their recruiting of both transfer portal safeties and um, trying to, to to land another one in the class. Lathan Ransom can come back. Uh, we have not talked with Lathan. Obviously, he had the injury that cost him almost the full second half of the season, that leg injury. If if I were advising Lathan, I think he could use another year, um, you know, fully healthy season to showcase what he can do. I think he had a really good season, but the fact that that injury kind of derailed uh, some of the big games, uh, I it wouldn't surprise me either way, I guess what I would say with Lathan. Um, Jacob Carter, yes, I do believe he will be back. In fact, the only guy that is certainly leaving that room is, is Josh Proctor. Um, now you have seen Kai Stokes, Cameron Martinez enter the transfer portal. So they are also departing, but uh, Josh Proctor is the only one out of eligibility. Um, so the Buckeyes clearly with their actions want to add a couple more safeties. Um, you know, they'd like to, you know, kind of fill that room a little bit uh, with you know, numbers wise. It is as, Jim Knowles calls it a safety driven defense Um, and looking at the class just to make sure I don't get this wrong. Jalen McClain, four three-star prospect coming in um, and Leroy Roker are both already there. And then as Bill said earlier, they have another, uh, another kid they're trying to flip and another guy out of the transfer portal they're looking at. So usually I'd say Ohio state wants that safety room numbers to be somewhere between eight and 10, given what they've, what they've, uh, you know, number of guys they use now, you know, you can use Jordan Hancock in that nickel, nickel position, things like that. Um, I did see people while Bill was finishing up. I didn't want to take any of his time to answer. Yes. I am drinking eggnog. I mentioned it off the top, uh, trying to get in the holiday spirit here on the Bucknuts happy hour. Right. Uh, honestly, we had some in the fridge. It sounded good. And, um, you know, we're all about we're all about things that sound good in the Bucknuts happy hour. Uh, we've got a question from Jermaine Runnels: Is a running back needed even with Henderson or without? Uh, yeah, it would not surprise me if they go in the transfer portal. Uh, maybe try you know if they find somebody recruiting wise, you know, out of high school that they think they can uh, think they can flip land uh, that they like that you know like a Mayan Williams who was kind of a late addition back in the day. But yeah, I mean, right now, if Travion Henderson comes back, you are looking at a room with Travion Henderson and Dallin Hayden. So that would probably be your one, two. But the depth would be pretty depleted. Um, you're looking at two, maybe three running backs in James Peoples, 
Jordan Lyle, depending on what he decides to do. And then um, Sam Williams Dixon as kind of your, your depth there in terms of scholarship running backs. Um, so yes, I would not be surprised if the Buckeyes do look to add a running back somewhere. Um, Bobby McCormick asked, will there be any coaching changes? Hold on. After talking eggnog, I needed a little bit of a uh, little bit of eggnog. Um, I would not, I would think so. Um, look, if you were Ryan day and you are kind of evaluating these last, you know, this last two seasons of basically this same staff, um, the job hasn't gotten done for one way or another. And you have to figure out why that is. And, you know, it's come down to basically losing to Michigan either year. Um, but there have been issues in other games, right? And, you know, we've talked about it. Special teams obviously has not been good enough. Um, you know, I do think you've got to take a good hard look at offensive line play. And I think it got better as the season went on. And I do think Justin Fry is a good coach. But you need to make sure that you've got the best possible guy there um, to, to handle that. I think the you know questions on the defense, I think, were pretty much answered throughout most of the season. I know James Laurinaitis is sitting there um, at, as a non-full-time assistant coach, and they would love to make him a full-time assistant coach if that's possible. How you navigate that, I think, is, is a good question because it doesn't sound like the NCAA is expanding the coaching staffs right now. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think there's, yes, I think there will be, there will be some coaching changes. How many I think is the only person who knows that is, is Ryan day, but it would not surprise me if there is, uh, is at least one, maybe two, uh, Jeff asked, is there rum in the eggnog? That's for me to know on this one. We're a beer, we're a beer podcast. Uh, no, I did not put rum in there mainly because I don't have any rum in the house. I did think about it and I also need to, uh, you know, do, do a little bit of work after this. I'm fine having a beer on the podcast, but when we get into liquor, uh, it, it becomes a little much if I have to work afterwards, maybe we'll do a, a podcast in an evening sometimes. And when, when we don't have to, uh, you know, finish more work afterwards and maybe we'll even get more people on the, uh, on the podcast because of that, but yes, no rum in the eggnog today, but we'll get, we'll get back to beer next week. I just eggnog sounded good. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, my plan is, and just for you guys to, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Bobby McCormick says the bourbon hour. I do like that. That does sound good. Um, plan is so next week is, is going to be a little different because we're heading into the holidays. Actually, excuse me. No, next week should be fine. Um, we should have a, a normal Bucknuts happy hour. May dive a little bit more into Missouri. Um, we've obviously got the early signing period start, so we'll, we'll talk some about that most likely. The week after that, the, the plan here for me is to head down to Dallas on Christmas Day. Um, so we'll do at least one podcast while we're down there. I imagine we will also do a Bucknuts Morning 5 one day with Dave, Steve, and I all aboard um, talking about the game because we have five days of uh, uh, lead up to that game. So keep your eyes out for, for that. I imagine next week we're talking Wednesday, Thursday maybe for um, – actually probably Thursday after the early signing period stuff – 
Uh, and we'll roll from there. I think, like I said, I think this Missouri game became more interesting, this Cotton Bowl. And uh, I hope I hope you guys are interested in it. We'll be covering it all. We'll be covering the transfer portal, the early signing period. We're doing it all. We're doing it all. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks again for, to Bill Curlick for jumping on with us, spending a half an hour with the happy hour. He's a busy, busy man, so to take half an hour is, is a lot to ask for him. Thank you, guys. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to chug this eggnog, but at least I will drink some of it here. But uh, cheers, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.